welcome to selfdiscoveryradio.com. With over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on selfdiscoveryradio.com. Sorry for the drop there, folks. Um, the internet is a wonderful tool, but sometimes it kind of goes against us. <laughs> so I'm going to have Julie pick up the thread of where she was and uh, because she was in such a lovely flow. And let's see if we can pick up that rhythm again and share about collaboration between uh, kids and adults. I think magic happens when young people have opportunities to lead with adults who have been trained. And it's important for both young people and adults to know what their roles are and have those clearly defined. I remember about 20 years ago when I first started stepping into training young leaders, we have an opportunity to do that as teams in the Midwest. And we offered an opportunity for young people and adults to come together. Uh, the one unfortunate thing, even though the, we provided outstanding training and outstanding opportunities for young people to lead. We showed them how to set norms, how to resolve conflict, how to develop all kinds of different strategies to work together to plan on projects and to bring those to fruition, how to bring other members of the community into involvement. But we weren't real good at the time about empowering the adults. And I was a member of this team, and if we don't empower the adults, the kids will start getting abusive and the adults will act like delinquents. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I remember even because the, I remember being on this particular team and the kids were working on a planning project and the adults would interrupt with their ideas and the kids would say, we're supposed to plan, you're not supposed to say anything. And I listened to this and I thought, how could we more effectively train the adults so that we have mutual respect? And it occurred to me after a while. And so when I was on, in a conversation with my own group of young leaders, uh, they were planning a project and I asked question. They looked at me and said, we're planning this project. You're not supposed to interrupt while we plan the project. And I said, I have an essential part of your team and as a team member your job is to plan my job is to ensure you use the skills of consensus and I will call you on it every time and with that clear with that mm. That kind of role clarification we brought in mutual respect I, I've been to teams where I've come back and done follow-up. There was a young girl in particular who was a high school senior, and uh, she was not only a member of the, the, the group planning team, but she was also part of the church council, and they invited her to be part of the adult leadership. And I asked her how things were going, and she said, it's really hard with the adults. Because how, and she said, I don't understand. She'll, she'll, she said, I don't understand why we have to use the skills of consensus and the adults don't have to. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's because they may not know them. Now it's your responsibility to be a role model. Aha. Aha. And so uh, I think if we expect, you know, this circles all the way back around again, if we expect our young people to be leaders, 
and trained, it's our responsibility to make sure that the adults are leaders and trained. And it's, it's, a, it's a new it's arena, a new arena isn't, isn't it? Oh, it is very, very much. So uh, I think I, it's in, in that discovery phase of how, you know, where are the boundaries? How do you respect everybody's input? And they need to, uh, you know, um, they can have all the planning. Yes, this is your plan, but you, you know, as a mentor, you're there to keep them on track, or maybe to inject an idea that then can help them propel forward. It's meant to be mutual respect that they can hear you. And at the same time, you allowing them to have their own voice, and it's a balance. And they have, and they 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 learn mutual respect by watching adults be mutually respectful of one another. Do you know the? Um, I think I have no idea. I can't remember who the author was, but it was called the Seven Hats, and it's um, a system that he came up with for the boardroom. And you, you put on the hat, and that's the only topic you talked about in that moment. So whoever was speaking, you know, came across with uh, an idea, they put on that hat. This is what I'm putting on the table. Everybody addressed it, and then somebody else put on a hat, and it was something else. Instead of people cross-talking one another or jumping ahead. And that way, everything got dealt with. And I thought it was so well done that, you know, it made sense. I agree. I think... One of the first things when we develop leadership is we talk about, we don't just begin with planning events throughout the entire year. Mm -hmm. We begin by talking about our vision and our mission. Because when we're clear about our mission and vision, then planning our goals is easy. They align with our mission and vision or not. And we must, like you were talking about with the hats, then we talk about norms. How are we going to communicate? What are the rules of respect that we're going to have? And that, that those kinds of things need to be spelled out before we in, engage in activity planning. Activity planning is a small part of it. There's much, be, uh, much behind the gate we must prepare for before we enter into that. Yeah, uh, and, and Go ahead. Yeah, well, the other thing is, is that, you know, uh, as we each have our own divine gift, of what we bring to the table we each have our own unique personality yes and and it's you know what we have to do is recognize what that person's strength is now some piece, person may see patterns and you're busy painting a picture but they see the pattern and that pattern is you know no you've got to keep within the structure otherwise it's going to go off balance because they see the pattern somebody else might be able to see the finished product this is the person we're doing it for these are the people that we're attracting and the thing is is that every single person's view is important it's how do you put it down together on a map on a blueprint that everybody can follow but you have to allow everyone's vision to come forward because that's their gift that's their forte i agree and i i remember working with one leadership team and in a midwestern conference and there was the team that i was working on in order to come to consensus and you have Consensus isn't a vote, as we know. It's it's about it's not necessarily everybody being in agreement. It's about coming to a decision that everyone can live with. Right. And uh, I remember the the young people were asked to plan an event that they were going to take home to their own organizations, and they needed to have a vision, a, a vision, a mission, and then the the project as it was spelled out. And Playing by the rules, or playing by the abiding by the rules of consensus, uh, I 
the the teams argued with one another about what the vision should be and they uh, some got angry and some got frustrated so that by the time when we were supposed to do the main presentations they wrote them down on big sheets of poster paper and with all of the preceding groups they had one or two young people had all of the elements spelled out beautifully and the rest of the group kind of stood in the background. It was rather obvious that one or two youth in each one of the groups took control of the project and moved forward and the rest were just resigned to the results that were shared with the group. Mm -hmm. Then my group came to the front and all they had was the first part of a mission statement. And they all had their heads held down and they said, this is all we came up with. And the director of the entire experience looked at them and they said, you've only got half of a mission statement here. And they said, that's all we could come up with in the time constraints that we had. And he asked them, well, did everybody have a say in what you've come up with thus far? And they said, we did. And then the, the man turned around and the director looked at everyone else and he said, that's how you do consensus. It takes time. Yes. And, you, and, you, and it it's also... It's not a race. It's not a competition. It's no, a process. exactly. <laughs> it's not. Exactly. And, and, you know, the thing is you can't force, you know, a brainstorming. You can put people together... And some ideas can come out. And sometimes you have to go away and, and let those ideas, you know, seed and water them. And then you come back with a different inspiration and understand that there aren't any quick fix. And this is the one thing the youth, are, you know, they want it now. Um, and this is the one thing they can really learn is patience, is process, you know, is procedure uh, in order to, to build your product. And that if you really want something that's going to be, uh, you know, quote, marketable um, and that what everybody wants, you've got to make sure that it's foundated and rooted and strong and structured so that it can stand that, stand that test of time. And, uh, you know, it's I think this is the greatest gift that we can teach them is patience and procedure and, and process. Yes, because we oftentimes... And, and this ties back to some of the things that we were talking about in the early part of our conversation. When the priority in our gatherings are about tasks, you know, tasks can be planned quickly. Yeah. But if we're not paying attention to the relationship and inviting the voice of everyone to the table, uh, the the, the ta then the task outweigh the importance of the people that are gathered, and so th this kind of model takes time, but it builds relationships and it's sustainable. In fact, I believe it's the only sustainable model if we're going to be looking at at relationships that can leave a legacy. Well, you've got to build a relationship first, don't you? I mean, Absolutely. in that collaboration Absolutely. is, again, who are you? What is your forte? It's a question of listening to each other. You know, what's your indiv individual dream in life? You know, what are you good at? It's willing to get to know each other. I was just thinking about, actually, the other day, there was a group that was being interviewed, and they've really been around like 30 years. 
and they and they said well what's you know what is your test because you've got other groups that are like um uh what do you call it um Simon Cowell's uh, five kids you know the boys that are big huge and popular uh, oh new direction uh, yes and one's just left right so broken up right. and you know that is taking people into the spotlight and just making them work 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 and all of right. a sudden they have a burnout or they have a conflict as opposed to the others who so have been around 30 40 or Mike, Mike Jagger's thing you know 50 years I think um, and it's because they did the gig slowly they, they struggled together they built together they worked together to build this dream and, right. and they value each other and they support each other. And that's the thing because it's a, a process that they've gone through in development that took time. And in taking that time, they solidified. If you're looking to do things so quickly, you're going to miss a great many of the steps that are the, the bounding, you know, the bonding right. of, of that, uh, whatever it is you're doing. And so, you know, it's, I think that's, as I said, the one thing I think that youth can learn is patience, persistence, um, and that it is togetherness in unity. I agree. But now it's getting the adults to get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we all get out of one another's way. I I think, you know, and it gets back to what we were saying about authenticity and allowing times for stories mm-hmm. to be shared. Um, oftentimes, in a group, and um, I've seen adults do this many times when there is conflict about, oh, let's say, an activity and how we're going to do it. And there may be vehemently opposed ideas that rather than just trying to push an agenda on one another, that's an ideal time to ask questions. What is it about this that makes you feel so strongly? And when we ask some why questions, then we learn more about the people and where they're coming from. You know, one of the, when I look back, when I was a youth minister at a church about 20 years ago, I was speaking about Elaine. So you're you're cutting in and out. Whoop. We we missed that love. I'm sorry, cut in and out there. Elaine who? Oh, my, I had a teenager named Elaine, as I was talking about earlier, who was Uh, really invested in this new church and she said you better get up here in five minutes because Mm -hmm. I'm here and we're here and we need you behind us and when I got up there when I arrived at the church uh, she was absolutely right Uh, they had an architect we didn't know at the time was not informed about the project and he's representing his his architectural firm, and he's sharing information with the community that was not uh, that was not correct. We didn't know that at the time, and so there was an absolute uproar about what the priorities were of the project. People were angry at one another, and uh, it's the first time I had ever seen that kind of anger displayed at that per- particular church community. And what was so exciting is not the pastor. But the church building planning committee, 
got on the phone and the people that were the most vocal about some of the anger as it related to the building project, they contacted all of those people and they got on the phone and they invited everybody to come together the following night to talk about any concern you had with the entire group. And I got up there and it was a session that lasted about three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. But it lasted so long because as people asked questions, the board wanted to know what what are your feelings about this? Uh, And when we started hearing Just like you said earlier, when we started listening to one another, what we started to discover is even in the argument, people were basically saying they wanted the same things. And and that happens only when we're willing to dialogue with one another. I mean, you know, we're, we're a lot of the time saying the same thing, but we're going to say it from our own unique personalities trait. Exactly. And so, you know, we're all speaking the same thing, but we speak it in a different language. So we're going to present it in a different way. And and if you listen, you'll understand the common thread. It's like email. Yeah. You know, if you send an email, the, 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 the most dangerous thing with email, as we both know, and I've certainly made mistakes with this in the past, where you say something, but because there is no facial expression to be observed, Mm -hmm. Or there's no point of voice. Uh, there's misinterpretation, and uh, uh, dialogue allows us to fill in the spaces. And of course, if somebody's reading something and they're already angry, they're going to put anger into it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we infuse it with our own experience. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, I think what we're really looking at is actually a real hope for the future. Um, you know, I, I see it with, you know, the millennials and this Gen X, um, you know, group of kids where I really do see a lot of innovation and inspiration and, uh, you know, communication and community and a desire for unity and support of one another. And of course, when you do look at the uh, at the Olympics, at so many young people winning medals um, and, you know, they're, they're just a celebratory of each other that hasn't you know, in their group. And, you know, like last night was the um, um, Heysan um, Bolt uh, oh, race. You yes. know, I mean, how many people coming together in one arena to watch under a 10-second run, you know, and the celebration of it. And he took our Canadian under his wing, who's many inches shorter than him, and we got a, we got a bronze we're so proud of. And it's and Heysan saying he's he's the next gold contender in the Olympics to come, and you know being that support of passing that baton on, and I think that's the beauty of it is that those that have gone before, it's not like oh you know I got beaten um, by a younger person. It's like I'm passing that that knowledge on. I'm passing that baton on, and in um, celebration of the next generation. And we don't make ourselves obsolete by empowering them. We're empowering our communities that strengthen yeah. the whole of us. And I, you know, I hate the word competitive. I believe in collaboration. And I think right. we all win when we all collaborate. There is plenty to be learned from the elders. And there's plenty from the elders to learn from the youth. And when we open that up as a communication and a collaboration, everybody in society wins. 
I think there's a mentality that we need to re-understand, and that is our perception of the universe. Uh, I think we've been raised oftentimes with, uh, we, we have to be scrappy, mm-hmm. and we have to be protective of our own turf because there isn't enough at the table. And if we truly believe in the laws of attraction, then we believe that there is plenty of room and plenty at the table served for all. And if we believe that, then we're not threatened. Then we can become collaborative in how we do, uh, how we do things, how we speak to one another, how we leave a legacy. And, I, you know, I'm so glad you brought Bolt up because mm-hmm. I think the thing that is so fun about him is that he he makes the celebration our celebration. Yes. And yes. he draws all of us into it. And, you know, here I am sitting in Kansas City in the middle of the Midwest. If you were to take a map of the United States and threw a dart, it would land in the in my front yard mm-hmm. i am in the center and here i am in my little house in little kansas city and i'm standing up cheering when bolt wins exactly. just like millions of people are around the world his win is my win it's our win and i think that's something that the olympics actually shows us i mean there's there's oh, a agree. there's apparently one woman um i'm not quite sure which um arab country she in but she will not um uh, take part in one of the competitions because there's an Israeli in there and it's like really you know this kind of patheticness is not something that you know we are condoning the whole thing about the Olympics and why it's so popular and why it's so strong is a celebration of passion of conviction of hard work of tenacity no matter which country you know we you know, when you see somebody who's given it their all and against all odds achieve it is a a global celebration it's a celebration of that belief in themselves and the work that they were willing to put into it i think some of the fun of the olympics are the little moments that happen in between there was one facebook post of a young uh, two young ladies from south and north korea taking a selfie together Mm -hmm. i i think that speaks volumes across conflict uh, that and encourages this conflict. You know, the, the kids generally do. I mean, you know, you see these beautiful pictures of, of, you know, black and white kids playing together and they don't know that there's their different color. You know, they don't know they're meant to hate each other. That is a purely an adult thing that we impose on our children. We're looking at the animal kingdom right now that you're seeing animals that are not, they're meant to be mortal enemies. They're meant to kill each other on sight, yet they are playing together. They are loving and supporting one another because they work on vibration. They work on that energy. That's what they see. They don't see the different skin or a different fur. You know, they see the the vibration and the love and the honesty. And if we, as adults, we could damn well take a lesson of our children and how to play together and carry that with us, you know, and stop imposing upon our kids. You've got to hate this person because they're different. Right. And they are learning whether we think 
they're learning or not. Um, I've, I do lots of conversations with facilitating conversations about inclusion and diversity. Mm -hmm. And one thing I often hear people say is that we don't see color. Well, of course you see color. Mm -hmm. you, you better see color because you can't truly appreciate somebody if we're not willing to see and appreciate all of them. Yeah. And I, I've heard people say that they don't, you know, if their child expresses something that's racially tilted uh, or socioeconomically unkind, uh, I've heard parents say, we don't talk like that at home. Well, you don't have to be home for children to learn yeah. because what they learn by is adult example. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, if we want to have a better generation, then we better be better people. You know, the other thing I think people have to and realize. So, you know, yes, exactly. Exactly. We, and, if we're going to impose standards on our young people, we better be role models. Right, of those. exactly. And also I think something very important is we are custodians of our children we are not owners <laughs> we don't have a license on them you know no. you know we are here to guide them to love them to nurture them to let them go in the world that's what we're here to do and we're not here to dictate oh you know i never achieved this so you're going to achieve it for me you will do this because i want a doctor in the family we are here to find out who they are, why they're here, and to nurture and water those seeds in love, in respect, in guidance, with some structure, some discipline, and help them find their own path in life. We have a much better society if we did that and stop dictating what they should be and start embracing what they're here for. You know, I was presenting at a TED Talk several months ago, and something that I found jarring, it was a TEDx Youth Talk, and uh, they, before the talks began, they had a screen up behind the, uh, the, the stage, and on this screen was, uh, they had done lots of interviews for young people to talk about what is the next generation. Uh, generation Blank was the... Uh, the the theme of that particular TEDx and and many of the young people were talking about things that are important issues to them but up on the screen before it all began they said who uh, there was this question who are the millennials mm -hmm. and they had bullet points like entitled and lazy and you know we think as adults talk to one another that they don't hear what we're saying about them. And the words that they used were exactly what I heard adults say of them. They were very aware, particularly entitled. Yes. Uh, I, I think that's a term more than any other generation that's been attached to this generation. And, and they're aware of that. And I don't think... I think there's two pieces to this. I think we have a responsibility to communicate in terms of dialogue, but I think there's also uh, uh, to make sure that we're asking good questions so that we understand what they're saying. Uh, 
uh, because I think young people are more engaged than we give them credit for. There's a wonderful picture I remember seeing on the internet and there was a Rembrandt painting. It was in a gallery and there was a Rembrandt painting in the background. And I think it was the night watcher. And then there was a bench in front of the painting and the, the youth that were seated on the bench were all on their cell phones. Mm -hmm. And there was this long string of comments by adults talking about how disengaged our young people are, how they're not participating in the things going on around them. And I interjected, how do you know that? You know, if they're on their cell phones, what are they doing? Are they they're are posting they, the picture of it? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, posting a picture, looking in the bookstore. Right. Are they telling their friends what gallery they're in? Mm -hmm. Are they trying to find out more about other Rembrandt paintings? I found that as a college instructor, it, and it took a while, where young people had would have cell phones out, and 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 I would call them out on that until I was in the back of the room one day and I we were talking about something and I was just floating from group to group and I saw a couple of them on their cell phones. And I looked at what they had on their cell phones and both of them were looking up information about the topic that we were talking about in class. And that has been something insightful as a college instructor, because now when I see a young person and their cell phone out, rather than telling them, put it away, I engage them by asking, can you find some more information about that that we're talking about? And more often, they'll, more often than not, they'll say, I'm already on it. So as, as adults, I think it's important for us to listen and ask really good questions because if we're using our own experience to understand young people, then we're not going to understand. Yeah. Uh, because I think our young people, especially in an age of technology in the 21st century, our young people are engaged more than we think. They're just engaged in a different way. Differently. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, exactly. I've got three millennial kids and, and it's um, my son is right now is building a, um, a website for his company that he's about to open up. And he's such a visionary in, in many aspects and he knows what he wants, but he's just the putting it together and the seeing how it lays out not. And, you know, I'm, everything I do is online. Don't hand me a phone and ask me to do anything other, other than text or call. That's it. <laughs> you know, I'm not interested in looking at this tiny thing that I can't see and, yes. and looking things up. But that's where they live, right? And, uh, right. oh, uh, where are we going for a restaurant? Look it up. What's on the movies? Look it up. Um, have you read this book or did you see this movie? Look it up, you know? And this is what they do. It's their tool, right? It's become their encyclopedia. We used to have to go to the library for it. The library's right. in their hands, you know? <laughs> And so, but but in other aspects, you know, they're kind of behind because they do, you know, work on that. So it's interesting. I've interviewed quite a few millennial people, and each one of them were absolutely very, very committed philanthropists, or you know, um, doing documentaries and stories of of that are really happening in the world. You know, the extreme consciousness that's there that we cannot allow what has happened to continue. 
and we have to expose this and we have to make sure there's changes. So there's an enormous conscious movement happening with our with our um, millennials. Um, and even, you know, I would say even the 40s down. And, you know, we need to make sure that we nurture that and that we encourage that. And if we want to stay young, play amongst the young. <laughs> you know, I am so glad you brought up the philanthropy because as I engage in conversations, particularly with millennials, particularly with young people, um, and this this attitude of philanthropy and the value of being service this 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 embracing doing good in the world i see a lot of parallels between this generation and the generation of the 1960s mm-hmm. yes i i see a lot of parallels yeah uh, about um i'm a 70s the- chick i'm i'm resonating more with the youth today than i have with the 80s or the 90s or even the 2000s people right because of of that that consciousness um, yeah yeah there is a consciousness that they're very aware of yeah. and and uh, but it's not about taking, you know, that's the thing about the 60s and the 70s. You had the people that went out to war and you had those that fought against the war. And, you know, and I think this millennials are, are doing conscious things like documentaries and movements and different forms of revolution that are nonviolent. Uh, but because of the Internet today, they're able to reach more people. Right. Faster. Yes. Yes. And that's the important thing. We're going to have to have you back again and continue this conversation. <laughs> and uh, there's actually somebody I'd love to have you back on a round table. He started an entrepreneurial school for the youth and how to teach them to be entrepreneurs, the structures and tools for it. Because I think we're looking at an awful lot of our youth today becoming entrepreneurs extremely young. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have the two of you on because I think there'll be a lot to be shared there. I think what's so essential about... Um What's his name? Do you mind if I ask? Um, hold on a second. It's actually my my looks like something is going to go on with my site here. So I'm praying to God I don't drop you again. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, we've got somebody that's that's an entrepreneur teaching young people yes. about how to be an entrepreneur. I think that's so vitally important uh, because I think there is going to be greater dependence on. Uh, entrepreneurs, mainly because of the the financial structures that are starting to crumble. Uh, we, you know, the, there used to be large corporations that offered insurance and benefits, and many of these companies have figured out that it's much less expensive to hire out contractors and people that are specialized in their fields. And there's limited training. There's growing training in at universities. Informed as as people that are older than our millennial population, it means that we need to hop on board. Yes. What does it mean to be an entrepreneur, and how do we share these skills with our young people? And you know, this is the thing. And the, his name is is Lance Dunham, and actually, he'll be um, airing the week after you. Um, and uh, you know, he actually started this because his own son wanted to make some money, and so he just said you want it you you know this is how you go and get it and he watched his son become an entrepreneur at an extremely young age 
and with pinball machines and uh, and thought well you know this system really works and other people said you've got to put this together and since then it, he runs this school uh, where there's an awful lot of kids that have gone on to become their own entrepreneurs at a very young age and whether they continue to be entrepreneurs whether they go into the system um, you know into a workforce the tools that they've learned the structures that they've learned along the way are just invaluable so we really do have to invest in our kids don't we absolutely it's important um, it isn't about children should be seen and not heard It's that we better damn well hear them we better damn well see them they're our future we better water them, love them, nurture them, guide them. Because if we want a better world, uh, we've done a lot of screwing up. You know, let's hand it off to the kids and say, fix it, please. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's give them what? the tools to do it with. <laughs> yeah, and uh, because it's all about legacy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if, if, if they're out there making the world a better place, then they are our legacy. Yes. Um, so, you know, let's really get behind the kids. And, uh, you know, we, we see on like America's Got Talent and, and other places, uh, kids, even as young as six, being comedians, you know, uh, it's, they're incredible. They are incredible. So let's stop putting barriers and boundaries in the way and start giving them tools. So, I believe uh, if it has been my experience that generally speaking, if there is one caring adult in the life of a young person, they are going, they have tools for success that will last them a lifetime. Yeah. And, and that's you know, somebody who believes in them, somebody who is their champion, somebody who is their cheerleader. Uh, that would be a gift. I would gift wrap. I would, if yeah. I could give every child on the planet a gift, it would be that. The also the time. They do not have to leave school, go into university, get into a job and know who they are and what they want to do for the rest of their lives. They could have a different career in every decade while they're discovering who they are and what they're here for. Let them follow their own process, their own growth their own direction all we need to do is just give them that encouragement and the tools and which to do it with because maybe that is what their journey is meant to be about and it's not all about that degree that they're getting and that big high-paying job how many people have I interviewed had the high-paying job and were as miserable as hell it's about them loving what they do because when they love what they do they will do it well I agree well, my dear, will you let everybody know how they can get hold of you, how they can book you for a speaking engagement, and what uh, what you've got coming up for the kids? I am a lively participant across social media. My username is Dr. Julie Connor. Dot, uh, it, it, that's Twitter, and uh, you can come. You can also collect connect with me on social media uh, on my website at www.drjulieconnor. Dot com. I will spell it out because oftentimes there, my name is misspelled. D-R-J-U-L-I-E-C-O-N-N-O-R. 
and you will find links to contact me. You will find social media links there. You will find way to get to my social media pages. If you'd like to contact me for speaking engagement in your community, I have an outline of different talks that I give on my uh, website on my contact me page and an outline of all of the information that you need. I'm the author of a goal-setting book, an award-winning goal-setting book, Dreams to Action Trailblazers Guide. That's available on my website and at Amazon. Excellent. So I And everything thank you. is right here on the posting under Their Story Matters. Uh, you'll find it all here and you just click and it will lead you straight to it, including the book. So thank you so much, Julie, for being with me here today. Thank you. It's been an honor. And I look forward to having you back again. And, uh, you, you know, folks, stop thinking that you're superior to your kids. You're not. It's a collaboration. You're in partnership. Learn from one another. That's how we're going to make this world a better place. Until next time, everyone. <laughs>